iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome back to The Ruck. Noisy times in the world of rugby and that's regardless of anything happening on the pitch. Without any gobbing this week or stamping or indeed any existential conversations with the philosopher king, Steve Diamond. Now, this week the clubs are muscling up, not to conquer the Heineken Cup of course, God no, at least not the English clubs. That's oh, not very fair on Saracens actually, is it? I probably should rewrite that bit. No, the noise right now is all about... Are they going to break away from the RFU? Are they going to settle this most interesting ever Premiership season where over half the teams are crapping themselves about the threat of relegation by just saying, don't worry, hey, we'll just scrap relegation altogether? I'm Owen Slot, and with the kind of forward planning for which this podcast has never been previously associated, we've actually got on our panel the finest administrative mind known to the promotion-relegation debate. So well done, uh, Mark Evans. Uh, thanks for being here. Former boss at Saracens and Harlequins, though not at the same time. Great to see you. We've okay. also got two of the Rucks stalwart front rowers. Though I'm actually thinking we, we've got all... It's all front row, isn't it? Mm. Apart from myself, clearly. Alex Lowe of the Times and Alan Dimmick of Rugby World. Great to see you, boys. All good? Hello. Yes, thank you. All good. So just in case anyone's slightly baffled by my very wordy intro yesterday morning the mail on sunday broke a story about the clubs and politics and how they had threatened uh, in a um, in a prl meeting to break away from the rfu if they didn't get their way over uh, promotion relegation that was followed by a cracking exclusive in the times today uh, yes by me about the clubs still wanting relegation scraps well we sort of knew that uh, but they still want it scrapped now um so that no one is relegated at the end of this season uh, the, the, grand, the grand plan is London Irish come up and no one goes down uh, the drawbridge then comes up and uh, the um, premiership is ring fence for four or five years it's anyway. fitting that you almost said Grand Prix there would it be Grand Prix or would it uh, I don't well, know. Would it with be? CBC coming in that's the noises that we, you know it's oh, making everything that... glamorous isn't yeah. it yeah, that's. I mean, I mean, what was it? Tarting up. That was the that was the phrase that was used in the mail on Sunday. The, the boys need tarting up. It's supposed to start now, then, isn't it? Does the Premiership need tarting up? Let's start there. I don't think so. This season, I think it's been a compelling competition on the field. I think there's a huge amount that could be done off it. And one of the things that that I thought was interesting from the the conversation with Mark McCafferty when the CVC deal was done was he was pushing the idea that that the in-stadium experience and the facilities need to improve. That's a line, I mean, Mark will know a lot more, but that, that's a line you hear a lot in the NFL. The TV coverage is now so good, and the insight you get from um, from the cameras and from the, the, the pundits is is so informative that 
it's drawing people to watch games more and more on their sofas, less and less in the stadium. And so in the NFL, they have to work incredibly hard to make the in-stadium experience as good as it can be. It's interesting that the the, re- the rhetoric this has changed so quickly because it's not so long ago we were hearing people talking about how rugby needed to compete with the championship <coughs> in English football. In the English football league, it needed to compete with championship. Now it's competing with the NFL. <laughs> which well, is it's arguably not, it's not. still well, no, no. But the rhetoric has changed in that it's it can be you know that's what we're aiming for. Rather Sorry, than but that, that NFL that applies to every sport. That applies to cricket as much to cricket as of to course. championship football. But it's those the, but those are the words that were used by Bernie Eccleston in the, sure. in the the Mail on Sunday piece, and that suddenly it's an elevation yeah, well, of that, expectations. That, that to me, I don't know what Mark thinks. That to me, d- d- you tart up the Premiership and suddenly you can become bigger than the NFL was a ludicrous thing to say. It's, um, I thought it was really generous of Bernie Eccleston to share his thoughts with us on where rugby should go. But I mean, d- does anyone actually think he's been to a rugby game or knows knows the, the the playing field that he's talking about? Mark, come on, this is this is really your territory. Breakaway league can't see it actually, and I I think it's interesting to see that the leak minutes were from April. That's yeah, quite a I long agree. time ago. Um, a good story. <coughs> I understand it from a journalistic point of view. But from a surely, is this some kind of plot? I think that word was used. I, I, I very, let's, let's very just, much doubt it. Let's just go go with that. I, I, I agree with you. I thought it was a good story, but in terms of something that's likely to happen, no. does anyone here think that that, that is actually going to happen? No, I, I don't think it happens. In, in what, sorry, in what time frame? Well, okay, say in the next three years that the, no. that the clubs will break away no. from the RFU and be like like like, a, like the football Premier League. That's what. That's well, I think the analogies are there are better analogies than that because I think it has it's got history. This as as a as a as a something that happens. It happened in the Super League War in the late nineties in Australia, and they ran two separate competitions for a year. Oh, yeah. you know, an, an establishment competition and a Murdoch competition and. New teams like the Hunter Mariners emerged, and uh, Melbourne Storm came out of that. God bless them. You know they were they were the news team in Melbourne, um, and owned them for another decade after that. And don't forget, in the 1960s, the AFC and the NFL went head to head for four years between 62 and 66. What, and do you lost, think any of us were going to forget? And that? lost a shed load of money. Uh, in the process until they came to the negotiation table in 1966 and created the NFL, integrated NFL, which started four years later. There is history of breakaways from established competitions. What sort of happened with sort of breakaways and promotion relegation in in the early 18th century? Was there much for them as well? (laughs) Well... I could go into that, but I'm not sure that's really what our audience are after. We shouldn't dismiss this as complete pie in the sky over a longer time frame. But you have to think, you've got to put in, who's going to ref it? And if you're talking in the next year or so, who's going to referee it, right? Who's going to do the anti-doping? Who's going to do the player release agreement? Or are the players going to have to choose between playing international rugby and playing well, I breakaway that's, that's league? the sticking point, isn't it? And... What about the legal situation where you've signed legally binding agreements uh, over a much longer time period? So I think this is probably discussions you have around a governing body stroke league board table, which generally come under the heading of strategic direction. You know, where are we going with this? I'm sure that happens. I'd be very surprised if it doesn't. It should. But in terms of this could break it away next year, I don't think there's a chance of that, no. When Europe came up for negotiation and the Premiership 
resigned from Europe and uh, because they wanted a restructured competition, they wanted a greater share of the revenue. Their negotiating tactics on that occasion were to very publicly float the nuclear option. We're leaving, we're leaving with the French and we'll set up our own competition. And they talked about it for years as the negotiations plodded along, but it was always there as, there, as a nuclear option. And this strikes me as, as a very similar tactic. I think they've floated, they've allowed the option of a, of a breakaway to be floated. I completely accept that from, from back in April, I don't see it happening, but they have gone public with the nuclear option to, to press through what they want from the RFU, which with Europe, it was a restructured competition and a greater share of the revenue. With the RFU, it's, it's ring fencing. And I just feel that it's, a, it's, it's their negotiating tactic, which, which they have they have history in in um, yeah in, in taking that approach and so, okay so let, let's let's bin the breakaway we've we've done that but so that takes us on to breakaway was maybe uh, takes on your story yeah get on to the real stuff yeah which the story underpins that theory that you see that all the talk of a breakaway on Sunday morning and then on Monday morning the clubs are are being reported that they want they they still want to bring in ring fencing this summer. The two things, it's not very hard to join the dots between the two. Mark, can you can you see ring fencing being allowed to, to, to get through so quickly? I find myself in a difficult position uh, here, intellectually. Um, I've been, you know, I've been proposing a closed league. I hate that word, ring fencing, because a closed league, you've heard me say this before on this very show, a closed league is the way you grow the league, actually, in the long term. But we're not going to go down that. Let's not go down there again. Although I am very much in favour of a closed league among a range of other changes and not on its own, to do it for next season when we've got at least seven teams possibly being the relegated team and the undoubted short-term vicarious excitement that that will generate, um, I I think that's going to be very difficult. And also, you then say... And then the other bit, which is much more uh, dramatic, uh, of the two elements, the no relegation for one season extended to 13 years, one, and then to hold it for another five years and have no change whatsoever. That's an even, that's an even bigger change. And therefore, I think, unlikely to be able to be driven through without ending up back in the courts my lord um a la london welsh in 20 whenever it was uh, 12 uh, and we keep coming back to this point that without a legal framework of a collective bargaining agreement it's hard to see how that's not a cartel and that's not a very comfortable position to be in oh, i don't know what you think slotty but the the idea of pulling up the drawbridge for four or five years and then opening it up again is it, for me, I, I just don't see that as a realistic possibility. And to, we, both of us have spoken to Ben Ward at, at Ealing Trailfinders, and, and he, he, the figures he would throw at you would be that in, the, in those five years, Ealing would get about three million pounds in funding. The Premiership clubs would get about thirty million pounds. So that any hope of closing that gap it becomes impossible if you don't get, if there's no chance of of getting promoted and becoming a shareholder in the league, which is which is Ealing's big issue. If you're asking a club to wait for five years to make themselves ready for the Premiership, when actually during those five years they get three million versus thirty million, I think it, realistically the Premiership know that if they put up the drawbridge now, it's almost impossible for anyone to come 
It's impossible now. No, no, without a Steve Lansdowne type figure, it is impossible now. Yeah. You will come up and you will J- just go straight back down. Just for new listeners, Steve Lansdowne is a bristle owner and he's wealthier than us. About four billion. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, he's and one of the top fifty wealthiest guys in the country. Yeah. And Ealing, Ealing have a, a backer, and I think there aren't, there aren't many of us rich as Steve Lansdowne, but. Beeling have a wealthy backer who is prepared and wants to build that club into the into Premiership. You're right, that is the only way that it can happen. Do, do you not think so, so? So my view on this, and it's probably not as you probably pick holes in this, Mark. But but my view is that that if you if you pull up the drawbridge and and there's a lot of arguments for doing that, mm. then then the, the RFU and PRL owe a responsibility to the clubs in the Championship to help them develop so that when they, when it comes up again, one of them or two of them are in a position to come up into the Premiership and, and be an equal partner there. Because the point is at the moment, none of them are, are anywhere near equal. And no matter how much Ealing Trailfinders say, listen, we deserve a chance, they, they look nothing like a Premiership club. I mean, they haven't got a ground that's good enough. They've got a crowd that averages about 650 people. I mean, it's, I mean, it for for the Premiership and all its ambitions, Ealing are an embarrassment, or they would be an embarrassment. It's not not nice to say that, but that that is a fact. So if they had that ambition and the money, then surely the, the that interim period should be could be well spent with with a, a decent plan to make them Premiership ready. We've got to get away from this idea that somehow that clubs in parts of the country or with backing who could add value to the premiership have to do it through replacing somebody else i agree you've just got to get away from this football structure because it doesn't work it 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 leads to clubs being destroyed a la london welsh and richmond we've had two in a relatively small period of time but at the same time if you are seriously if you're serious about growing the scale, the size of the league, and I just point out with the CVC thing, I can't find any league that's gone international without a really strong domestic market. I can't find one anywhere. Okay, and I, my argument is, uh, people are going about CVC in America and China and all that. Actually, that is not the opportunity to start with, in my opinion. I think that the opportunity here is to grow the size and the reach of the Premiership in England stroke mm. Britain. <clears throat> well, interestingly, I was speaking to some people from the, the marketing side of things over the weekend about um, what the global uh, sponsorship situation is like with rugby at the moment. And there's a reason why, I mean, the big one that looming ahead of us is the Six Nations and why sponsorship of that has, has stalled so much. And one of the things I kept hearing was that sponsors want a certain amount of usable quantifiable data back from the competitions that sponsor it's not like sponsorship 20 years ago or or even 10 years ago or even seven years ago where you could say right the six nations gets x million viewers on free to free to air tv that's good enough for us we're getting our brand name because brand building can happen anywhere now social media advertising campaigns they can own and you know to own this entire competition they need to be able to see payback what are they going to get for that with the premiership or a new premiership that goes abroad. 
There's other elements of this as well. I was speaking to people in America recently, and I spoke to an owner of one team about what was happening, because if you're going to go into America, you're probably butting heads with the MLR, the new American competition that they've got there. They said that they would welcome the Premiership to come... This owner said that they would welcome the Premiership to come back because the last couple of times they've done it has been atrocious. It's made no impact whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. Uh, this yeah. owner all, said... All previous evidence of yes. the Premiership going to America have, right. have been deeply unimpressive. Right. It's the same with China, okay? There's noises about going to China, and you speak to those in Asia. They're already competing with a competition that's going to be starting up there. Okay, mm. We've all heard of Andrew Twiggy Forrest. Yeah, it's a really interesting yeah. concept, that. Right? Really high risk, but very yes, interesting. high risk. Global Rapid Rugby is the name of this yeah. competition that they're trying to set up in markets where uh, to say it's a standing start would be complimentary. You know, so they're having to, they're, they're facing real inertia there. Are the Premiership really going to bundle in there? And bearing in mind that China, World Rugby, um, had a deal with Alibaba and China about a certain amount of money to try and spread the mm. game. Alibaba. Alibaba is one of is a global powerhouse, and uh, you know uh, I suppose you could call them a tech giant. Although yeah, they have they fingers are, they're, all, they're one of the big two tech. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, tech. But they have fingers on all no, sides. I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah. People so they so they World Rugby did a deal with them to spread the game in China. Lo and behold, a couple of years later, without any noises being being made whatsoever, they said, "Oh, this thing has been absolutely crushed." Yeah, we're sorry. That nothing's really going to happen with this. China have had enough people in their union. So these are the markets that CBC reckon that Premiership rugby can bundle into. Well, I'm not sure CBC have said that directly. No. To be to be no, fair, no, to be to fair, CBC, they haven't. But see, I haven't. Well, unless I've missed it, I haven't seen anything from CVC that says what their plan is and I think it's very interesting because they will have one these are not stupid people yeah you know these are it's a very small deal for CVC by private equity standards but a very high profile one um, they will have thought this through I don't know what their plan is I've no idea um, but the interesting thing about this Mark I spoke to lots of people and you, you're sort of saying it, saying it yourself they, they don't do this unless they believe they can get yeah. really yeah. really big returns and well, we're here, we're sitting around talking about Premiership rugby and and how great it is, or how the fact that people think it's not it's not as great as people are saying, etc. I I have not had anyone persuade me where all that extra return is going to come from. Well, where is CBC going to make make this massive money? I, I, I don't That's think the bit I still I, don't get. No, and I think a lot of people would say that. But all I would argue is that, and having not been in side the negotiations at all or made any effort to find out what it is about there will be a plan because oh, yeah. uh, although it's a relative as i said it's a relatively small investment and they have got a backstop in terms of they do get 27 percent of the centrally generated revenue so they're getting a return albeit not a private equity level return on their investment um but you come back to the point which is I think phase one will largely be about growing the sport in its domestic market. And I, I would be being incredibly inconsistent if I didn't argue, and I have done for you know best part of two decades, it's not growing as quickly as it ought or that it could. Completely and agree. one of the reasons it isn't is we keep getting fixated by this sterile argument about promotion, relegation. The debate is not should not be about that. It should be about... Do you have a closed league with managed growth? In other words, do you close it and actually say, and in five years' time or ten years' time, when our revenues have grown? Because everyone forget. Why is this such a row? It's such a row because at the moment, the money, most of the money, is, spout, is split 12 stroke 13 ways. 
right? Why are people so worried about relegation? Not because they won't survive, because clubs that have been in the Premier for a while do survive if their owners stick with them, which most do. Uh, it's, it's a blip. It's a very unpleasant blip. Well, it's an irritating blip, but it's a blip. The bigger thing is, well, we should go to 14. Well, if you go to that, you then, A, number of fixtures. B, you're splitting the same amount of money 14 ways. You only go to 14 once you've grown the revenues so that nobody, if you like, is worse off and you've got enough surplus to grow another two venues who then get your point Alex who then get a full allocation from get one and they get a longer moratorium for staying in other sports around the world you talk to them and you say if you want to increase bring new teams into the league they've got to be good they've got to they've got to, they've got to be in the chance of winning it in the first five years because they've got to build up a fan base you know you do not want a team coming in it's going to what's the debate are they coming 11th or 12th right that is not that that's the, a really good way of wasting millions and millions of pounds and that's what we've got at the moment you know everyone says oh you should get relegated if you don't run your club well let's say newcastle go down this year they're this very same club with the very same people everyone was lauding 12 months ago well, for a, what a fan what a fantastically yeah. well-run club in a rugby outpost they've come forth heineken cup fantastic now and this is where I am so anti-relegation, you're now saying that model club is meant to go back into the championship from a year, of which they will immediately come back out again, and have wasted three or four million quid in the process that you could have put into growing the sport. That's my problem with it in sort of a little anecdote. It just comes back once again to who the next chief executive of the RFU should be and is he sitting amongst us? (laughs) <laughs> Mark goes all coy when we're saying this, but I was actually talking about Alan Dimmock. Yes, good. <laughs> he knows a lot more than me. Um, Mark, you, you talk so much sense on that. Um, and uh, I, the clubs and the RFU would, and the championship would do very, very well to, to listen. Uh, of course, they'll listen to us anyway. Um, whatever the premiership looks like next season, what sort of a quality of a, of a package and a product do you think it, it is that, that CBC, etc. will be selling to... Um, to China or Russia or wherever they want to go. So already, what I'm saying is, we have this phenomenally unpredictable, brilliantly unpredictable Premiership this season, where you can't tell what's going to happen. How good actually do you think the rugby is at the moment? If you're selling a product, if you're selling a sporting product, you want drama mm. and unpredictability because that's what makes sport great. And in that sense, that's it's we as have good that, as it's ever been. Yeah, I mean, we, we know who's, who the top two are going to be, but we don't know who's going to finish from from third down down to twelfth and. So if you're if you're investing in in a sport for for the qualities of the, everyone wants in their sport, then the Premiership at the moment is is delivering on that because you want every team to be able to beat every other team, which is happening. You want quality, and I think we, we're seeing quality. And we, you know, Mark was talking before we came on air about about Leicester mm. and the way they played and Matt Tamura's performance. You know, there are there are high quality performances uh, as well. Um, and so in that sense, I think CVC are probably really enjoying what they're watching this so, season. So do you think I'm just being a bit of a sourpuss by suggesting that I don't think the quality has been that out- outstanding? I mean, extra Saracens, who are more advanced than the other clubs, they ha- they haven't been really hitting the straps or playing really good rugby. I mean, Al, what do you think for, of, the, of the rugby generally that you've seen? Well, firstly, to go to Alex's point, the fact that there's eight points between the team in 10th and the team in 4th, I think, you know, we all want to watch a league where there's actually everything to play for. <laughs> yeah. That's... 
you know, you want things to go down to the wire. Meaningful games. Meaningful yeah. games, but also how often, have, I mean, when have you ever watched a sports movie where it's a, it's a runaway at the end? You know, we all want something that goes to the wire. And, you know, I think we're all predicting that the relegation battle will at least go to the wire. Meaningful games, there's plenty of bed. Now, we're going to go on and talk about Europe. OK, we talk about quality of this, and I suppose if you want it to be close, sometimes you're going to have to go screw your defence. If you want entertainment, you're going to have to say screw the defence, and we're going to have teams running in tries that should never be. OK, that's just a byproduct of whether you want the entertainment or not. Because if it's all tight and it comes down to watching a league, you go... Do I really want to watch that? Do I really want to fork over a subscription to pay to watch a rugby game for it to be as tight as that? And that's the big thing we've got at the moment that we're talking about, particularly when you look at the Premiership and where they're looking ahead to what the TV deals are going to be because that negotiation is coming up on the rails very quickly. Yeah, we're going to talk about Europe yeah. and whether they can translate that. OK, some teams are underperforming in Europe. There's only, there's only it's two different things here. They're not the same. One is uncertainty of outcome. That actually, and it's absolutely critical. If you're looking to drive value, and I keep coming back, driving value of any competition is about uncertainty of outcome. Sport thrives on drama and uncertainty yeah. and surprises and all the rest of it. Okay. If you know who's going to win before the competition starts, go and watch Scottish football, right? And that's one, it's not growing, and that's one of the reasons it's not growing, okay? Because the league is so lopsided. Spanish football to a degree as well, you know. We've got that. It takes a long time to build. We haven't quite got it to the degree that some other sports have got it, but we're moving in the right direction. The second point is style. That's different. That's the product, yeah. Okay, those are two different things. They both have a role in driving value, but the game, what we're looking at, is one thing, and how close the teams are to each other is another thing, and you want, ideally, both. Or, or actually, which you don't have anymore, which is a damn shame, you have an, a, clubs that are really close playing different ways. What, 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 we don't have that much these days the, the way the games change and the laws and all the rest of it most teams mm. play pretty much the same way and some play it better than others I think what Mark's saying there is that we want to see Duncan Weir having a kick from the touchline to win it every weekend yes we do and, and at the beginning of every season what you really go for is every fan of every club looks down the rosters and goes you know what we're injury free and I like our coach in his second year you know we got a chance this year every single clubs fans so we, would so, try and would but if you do that you've got to do a whole lot of different things and some of which we've already touched on earlier today but so, so are you you're not bothered by the fact that despite you know the, the brilliance of duncan we're kicking the last minute etc when you turn to europe you you see that the rug the, the teams that that are in the english premiership are not of the top quality obviously saracen's accepted doesn't bother you at no. all that's a very very short-term view of a long-term build, okay? Some years English teams will do well, some years they will not. It's partly English arrogance, or why aren't our teams doing well every year, which I, <laughs> I find extraordinarily well, that's, irritating. That's fair no, it's not, it's just, it's just arrogant. No, no, no it's fair um, enough to criticise the arrogance. I, I agree oh, I with see, you. yes, um, okay, <laughs> thank well, if you agree with me, of course you're right. Um, the longer-term growth of the Premiership where is is in my view more important than getting three English teams into the quarterfinals of the Heineken Cup every year. I, I I would if I if we're looking to trade, 
I trade that every time. And actually, for the Heineken Cup, I think it's more important that Scottish teams get into the quarterfinals and that Welsh teams do, rather than what we used to have a few years back, which was all English and all French. I think that damaged another competition far more than it being difficult for English clubs to get into the later stages. In, in the first, I've got the, some numbers here. In the first two years after the new New Europe was launched, which, in, which demanded that the teams from the... Pro 12 slash Pro 14 had to qualify on merit. They had to try a bit harder to only, get in. Only one Celtic team in the first two years reached the quarterfinals, um, uh, which was Leinster in 2014-15. But in the last three years, so at that point, so 14-15, there were four Premiership teams, one Celtic team, and then five Premiership, no Celtic teams. Since then, Premiership have, have qualified two and then one, and then at the moment it looks like one into the quarterfinals. And the Pro 14 have qualified three, three, and currently four. The French qualification has been pretty much level. And I just wonder whether, almost tying all the conversations together, but the Pro 12 slash 14 is is a ring-fenced league, a closed league, to use Mark's preferred yeah, expression. But there is, that by, by introducing the merit-based qualification within it, um, it, it does give the team something to play yeah, you've for. Got, you've got to. Closed league's got to have something in it other than just winning in it. Otherwise, there aren't enough narratives. But it, but it also and, and gives them. It, does, it gives them. It gives them another narrative. But also allows them to. It's less of a scrap in a lot of ways, and, and they they can obviously and they can obviously focus on the Heineken in, in in ways that we we've discussed ad nauseum on here. But it's just interesting that as the English teams have struggled, it's the Celtic teams who've. And it's really interesting because you see this year Benetton look like they're going to make the Heineken. Uh, yeah. yeah, I know they're a really tight conference. They might fall away, but but that is not uh, that that's a a, a a a result of a number of things. One of which is what you've said is they're not getting in automatically. There's a lot of other things going on in Benetton at the moment that uh, Conor O'Shea and others are driving that are starting. To, we're starting to see some effects. But that, for me, is a much more encouraging sign and something I would be pushing much harder than saying, "Well, God." You know, well, only one English team or two. Does that doesn't really matter? But you know, it's not actually the English team's core competition. The core competition that you're trying to drive value and interest in is the Premiership. And, I, and if you look at Pro 14, the, the, the well, the Irish clubs, the, their core competition has really very much become Europe. And yet they I mean, get they target terrific, all their they, best but, players. Yeah, it. but you look at the crowds they get for their Pro 14. <laughs> we're we're in, again English often don't pay enough attention. Leinster and Munster and Ulster get very, very good crowds for their Pro 14 fixtures as well. Look at Glasgow. You know, there's an unsung story. You know, whoever thought 20 years ago that any sport other than football would ever get a toehold in that city? You know, that, and, and they turn out for the top 14 as well. We are Because we're close to Wales... And, and there we talked about this before that's the country it doesn't seem to be quite yeah, working yeah, yeah. for we mm. we conflate that to the whole competition and I just don't think the data backs it up the, can I just ask Mark that you, you mentioned the, the legal arguments and, and the issue of people would claim a, a closed premiership as mm. a cartel why is that allegation not 
not thrown at the Pro 14, which is also a closed competition. Because the, the there isn't another group of clubs stroke counties in those three go, uh, um, unions that, that, that there isn't a, a Cornish Pirates or an Ealing right. Trail Finders. You know, there are, Ireland's organised on and they're all teams are in. Wales have all reorganised and they're all in. Or you, you could still go to Pontypool and Bridge End and find that argument. But it's a, it's a pretty weak one. Yeah. That ship's probably sailed. Yeah, and the Scots would like to reorganise and have three, but oh, whenever God, they try, don't, they, oh, don't but, do that. Don't yeah. do that. They're doing so well. well don't that, encourage that them. That went down well, didn't it? This is the ruck, and we'll be back in a minute. helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the Ruck. On the European front, though, so so as Alex said, uh, generally one English club in the in the quarterfinals, which is always Saracens. Do we think that there might be another? Has anyone yes. anyone here give Exeter or Gloucester a yes. chance? Yes, yes, Exeter, but not Gloucester. So I think I don't do think quite a lot to they achieve. Have, I think they've got to get beat Cap Cast this weekend with a bonus point, and then they've got to beat and Munster then away. They've got to beat Gloucester. Might beat Munster at Kingsham. And that'll put both of them on 13, and there's a shootout at Thurman Park. Exeter could do that. I think they're probably a better team than Munster, but it's still element. Not many. I mean, Munster on a bit of a roll at the moment. Are, yeah, they, they are, are. They are. They are. And so, look, I think it's. I don't think Gloucester have any chance. I think Exeter have a slim chance. Yeah, I think that. I, I think that's the sort of one of the great storylines remaining in yeah. the in the qualification stages. Uh, the, um, the big, the biggest game of the weekend is the is Leinster Toulouse, though. Yes. Oh yeah. Well, I mean Toulouse. I mean, we could, what a resurgence that they've had yeah, in the top fourteen. Terrific. I mean, it's incredible. And uh, I mean, I've, I've, I think I mentioned on this podcast before, uh, going for a birthday present to a Heineken Cup final that was Toulouse versus uh, Stad. And it was one of the worst rugby spectacles I've ever seen in my life. It was just a boot fest. Good weekend so, there. Yeah, Toulouse. Well, I enjoyed myself. It was my 18th, so it was very good fun. Uh, but Toulouse, it's as much the way that they're playing mm. as as well as getting results. I mean, every weekend you see highlights pouring out of these length of field tries that they're scoring. Fantastic continuity. And it, it it's amazing. We talked about how the giant... We always talk about waking up a giant. They'd fallen asleep for quite a long time. And... 
uh, if you've ever been over to Toulouse and spoken to the Toulousean, the, the fans over there and the, the people that love that club, they were actually hamstrung for a lot of years speaking to people that, that love the club by the fact that they they like to promote their own in Toulouse. Mm. They like to close ranks and look after their own and look after homegrown talent, which is very laudable, but when that homegrown talent goes through to becoming a coach and they might not be at it, there's not really much recourse for bringing in an outsider. It's taken them a few years, but they're playing exceptional rugby, and both of those teams deserve to go through because how unfathomable would it be to have a Heineken Cup without Leinster going through? I think those two teams are well, Leinster probably will go the pick through, of the competition. You kind of would like to see Leinster going through in second and having I, to, 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 yeah, to I, I fight it, the hard To play way. away from the RDS. They will both... Yeah. yeah. Uncertainty of outcome, see? But the, yeah. They will both go through... Um, doesn't sound so exciting when you just put it that way. Sorry. Uncertainty of outcome. Uncertainty of outcome. It's a bit of a marketing clip for us. I'm sorry. I'll try not to use it again. They'll, they'll both go through. And, and effectively, they're, they're playing for a home semi final. Yeah. Uh, quarter final, sorry. But oh, please um, just take them away from the audience. Yeah, well, Leinster uh, could, could do with being tested away from home. But yeah. um, I was someone contacted me on, on Twitter just to complain about everyone making so much of the Ireland New Zealand game and said it was just a friendly, it wasn't part of anything. And, and, wow. I, and my response to him was... It looked like a friendly, didn't it? Well, that was exactly my response. You know, sometimes... He, why can't these matches count Just as their own be. entity and be their own games for, for, for the 80 minutes of... of you know, comp- he said, I wasn't competitive. I said, we're trying to yeah, asking any of those questions. I wasn't competitive. competitive. Well, that, and that's what my point here is, you know, what are they... Can they, you name in, this, in, this, in the subject this Twitter of, troll? It's a village missing its in, idiots. In, you know, in the context of, of their qualifications, they're both going through. Yeah. What's riding on it? Maybe a home a home quarter final, but that doesn't matter. Doesn't matter to lose Leinster. To lose Leinster with the way those two teams are playing and and the rugby they that they're producing, it ha, you know, has everything that you could want for eighty minutes sitting down to watch Anyone a game of European Chester rugby. Colby in it. Sorry, I'm 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 watching. He's just that's very romantic. I agree with you 100%. Such a crush yeah. on him. It's just he's brilliant. <laughs> Calm down, Mark. I know. I know. Um, uh, okay, so we're just at the end of a uh, of uh, the latest phase of the Premiership so a mm. few questions so, as we said Exeter and Sarri's are, are slightly stretching away um, the third fourth is a bit of a, a anyone's guess uh, so I'm going to ask anyone to guess uh, Al who would your third and fourth be? Well third and fourth oh god do we think Wasps have shown enough that they're they're coming back? I mean <sighs> Mark with most of those teams you know, there's not much to go on on whether they're coming back or not I think Harlequins I've just won two in a row. I'll tell you what, that, I would I, say Gloucester will be there because they well they seem overly Cipriani reliant, but but he's coming back to I, fitness. So I, I would say Quinn out of, at the moment out of all the other teams, I think there's a there are some green shoots at Leicester, but Harlequins as it stands are, are the team who seem to be building up ahead of steam quicker than the rest. There, I think I think there are three yeah, rounds or four it's, or four it's rounds. Hold of that. Yeah, but uh, uh, there are three or four rounds of Premiership join the Six Nations. Four. Four. And, and at I the think moment, that determines loads. Uh, and that at did. the moment, I don't think Harlequins lose anyone to England based what? on, oh, based yeah, on recent Carl selections. Beg your pardon, Carl Sinclair. Danny, Danny don't, Clare? I don't, well, well, based on recent good, selections, yeah, they might... Yeah. Okay, they don't, they don't, the as it stands, they don't lose Brown mm. and they don't lose Kerr, as it stands. They might lose Don Brown. Um, and oh. so I think, that, I think they're well... Every week. Isn't he amazing? Mm. I think they're in a strong position to keep it going, and and Gloucester no, will be my other. Because you have a good point. Gloucester will. How many will they lose? They won't lose much. No, I know they get Cipriani back. 
but, but I mean, okay, we could go through. I mean, there's a reason why there's, there's, an, accor- yeah. there's yeah. a reason why there's yeah. an accordion in the yeah, table yeah. here because yeah. you can't say that Sale Sharks are going to lose an awful lot of players during the Six Nations either. No. No. And I tell you what, they're thumbing their nose at everyone. At yeah, the but moment. they are going to lose. They are going to lose two guys back to uh, back to South Africa, aren't they? What, yes. what did you just say? There's an accordion in the table. Yeah, yeah, it's squeezing. Squeeze. And it gets no, spanned, I yeah. just I thought that's what you meant. I hadn't heard that before. Is that just me? Visual imagery is part of good. No, I, I, I like visual <laughs> imagery. I, I don't know. Um, uh, well, I, I'm sure listeners will love that. Alex, you know about the accordion? Uh, I did, yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it every week in my coffee now. But I'm going to ask the same question I just asked <laughs> yeah. you again, and I'll ask it to you. When, uh, Who is playing the accordion? The, the wasps. The wasps. Do you, do you think wasps no. have shown enough over, the, over that win at the weekend? Because people are saying, oh, the slump's over. We're back now. No, but that, isn't that what's happened every week to every club? So, yes. yeah. so Leicester yeah. didn't win for a while. They won a game. And they, they, they all feel like they, they, we just need to d- d- dig a heel in, and then we'll and then, then we'll be able to build. But it, but no one's really done that. Saints the week before beat Exeter. You go, oh, finally we're we're back. But but then they were pretty average. Uh, um, Di Young said something in his press conference after the Wasp game yesterday. He said, "He said, oh, I still think when we get our best twenty-three back, we're going to be really hard to beat." He and, never will. And well, that was that was exactly my thought. I said, "If you get your best twenty-three back, one, you'll be outstanding. Two, you're dreaming because that just doesn't happen happens. anymore." No. And that's why Saracens and Exeter are, are doing still doing well because they have greater depth than anybody yeah, I th- else. I think I, this is now, Saracens are in crisis at the moment. After a who would have said this a couple of weeks? I think Leicester will be top five. For top four. You know uh, you're close yeah. to the mast on that. Sorry. You're yeah, I am. I, I, I think that, I think they've had their, and it was a big trough. Um, but if you look through that team, okay, if you really just look at the personnel, okay, they are, they're a really strong outfit. Yeah, but 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 we've just said four games during during the Six Nations, they're going to lose Youngs, Ford. Uh, to yeah, Aggie yeah, and Johnny that's, that's May. A fair I mean, point. that's the whole of their. Well, yeah. it's a lot of their back division. Um, I wouldn't rule Dan Cole might still somehow grow back as well. Dan you Cole, know, you never know. Well, I, yes, I mean his best rugby has been since he got dropped by England. Yeah, but there's no doubt any any anybody from probably Saints up could go top four. Yeah. I, I yeah. don't see Bristol going top four. I don't see Worcester or Newcastle going top four. But I, I do think anybody else. You put a run together. You, you, you it's gonna, it's gonna be great because it's gonna go down. You know, the Premiership's always got three issues: who's gonna win it, who's gonna go top four, who's gonna go down. And and actually, the, if it gets very dull, we start talking about the top six. But a really good Premiership season is when we don't talk about European qualification. We talk about who's winning it, who's going down, and who's gonna win the top. Who's gonna be in the top four? That, that, that's a really good indication. If no one starts witching on about Heineken Cup qualification until the last two weeks, it's been a good year. Yeah. All right, well, we've been told. Our final item, our God or Goddess of the Week. I mean, Mark mentioned them earlier, but I, 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 I'm glad he did because I wanted to give a shout-out to Benetton. I think it's exceptional what they've done. OK, they've beaten the Kings a couple of times this season. They've beaten the Dragons. They've beaten the Blues. Uh, but that win against Glasgow at the weekend exceptional stuff for them and what a statement it is to win four games on the bounce bet mm. on to be zone people all over Venice will be cheering for them yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Veneto will be dancing yeah. in the streets dancing in the streets of the Veneto love it uh, I wrote down Mike Brown uh, 308 club appearances <laughs> take mine oh. <laughs> you'd like to agree lads um, yeah. just 
re- remarkable individual achievement. And Shouldn't we be saying, "Oh, that's too much rugby," <laughs> shaking our heads? I think. Um, no, I said. I said earlier that it doesn't look look to be in Eddie Jones's immediate plans. I think. Well. I, I think partly because Eddie Jones needs to properly find out whether Elliot Daly can play fullback. But I, I remain to be convinced that he won't be at the World Cup. Do we think that he's actually going for a new haircut as well? Is that yeah, right? I, I think it's a Samson thing, isn't it? It's a Samson thing. In reverse. Yes. So, uh, would the challenge among, amongst our panel consider yeah. doing the same, Al? Mark? You're joking, aren't you? I still don't see an England World Cup squad without him in it. I just don't get sure. Everything he would bring to that squad. And the way he's playing in 308 appearances, so he's mine. Mark, you can throw your, you can throw your way I'll behind put my, that. I'll put him at number two in. I, that was my number one. But number two is, it's a group, it's the referees. Um, I did detect this weekend for the first time what looked suspicious, and I just hope it continues, otherwise there'll be devils of the week. Um, a, a movement towards starting to really react much quicker to this nonsense we're starting to get in of people chops in a way trying to claim penalties. Um, Luke Pierce did it to Tom Cruise at Wasp within the third minute and said, you do that again, you're gone. He was sent, holding on, holding on. It, it drives me absolutely nuts. He did it to someone else yesterday. And uh, oh. it, Owen Farrell got it. The, the, oh, Farrell's going to get it every five minutes. Farrell got it on, on Saturday night, uh, Friday night. And in a similar vein, Ian Tempest, that was brave. And that was really, really brave to keep yellow carding because they were all yellow card. So this well, is the referee in yeah, the, the Bath 11, ended the game. Up 11 he, I mean, he, It was a red. He reduced Bath to and 11 And he reduced men. them yeah. to 11. There are loads, of, two things for that. One, good on him. And that was, he did the right thing. And it's easy to do the right thing when there's no consequences. That was doing the right thing when there were, he, he was, he was putting himself really exposing there. I thought that was terrific. Um, and also the fact that nobody on the Bath management tried to game it, unlike Wales France a few years back. Remember when that yeah, one yeah, went yeah. on, yeah. and there was gaming on both benches, Wales and France that afternoon, which I thought was disgraceful. Yeah. But fair play to Todd Blackadder and his team; oh. they, they did not try and game that. We always got Amstream, we'll go to uncontested, etc., etc. Well, you just mentioned my god of the week, which is Todd, Black- Todd Blackadder. Oh, okay. Um, we don't need to, to trawl too far back to remember a time when Bath lost a game and uh, tried to legally challenge the result and asked for it to be replayed. Uh, on on, the, on this occasion, um, I thought Blackadder was magnificent. I mean, the, the guy has the patience of a saint to be yeah. working at that club because it's not an easy place to be. Um, and as you say, he, he took that on the chin and didn't challenge it, yeah. didn't complain, didn't, didn't game it during the, during, the, during the run of the play at all. Um, thanks, gents. Uh, God of the week, uh, I think, with the new haircut, has to be Mike Brown. Um, so he'll be delighted about that. Uh, uh, Al, uh, Alex, Mark, uh, thanks uh, again for being on the ruck. Uh, we're back next next week as usual. Thank you for listening, and uh, see you next week. helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.